Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Games for Girls podcast. Um, today's guest is someone, honestly, I admire a whole lot. Um, we talk a lot about this movement, right? This gender ideology movement and how the most vulnerable of populations are being preyed upon, right? Women and children. Uh, but that is not limited to just the gender ideology movement. Uh, of course, there are other issues going on around this country, really plaguing this country, really the world uh, where children are being impacted. Uh, one of the most obvious since I would say the release of Sound of Freedom uh, two years ago that, that gained, of course, national public attention is the child sex exploitation and sex trafficking um, ring and issues that are that are, again, happening everywhere. We need people on the ground who are willing to fight this stuff. You know, it's one thing to take to social media and complain about it, acknowledge that it's a problem, which I would imagine 99% of the world should do. And if they can't do it, they should be able to do it. Uh, but we need people willing to fight it. And that's what today's guest has really dedicated his time to doing. Uh, he was a Navy SEAL. He was then a law enforcement officer. And now he is a business owner and the uh, CEO of a nonprofit called Covenant Rescue Group. I have talked about this group in um, several of my other podcasts, mentioning um, the work that they're doing, encouraging everyone to go and support this group because that's what they need. Uh, they need support, whether that's through finances, whether that's through um, spreading public attention, garnering support. Uh, they need your help, uh, which is why I could not be more excited to have on CEO of Covenant Rescue Group, Jared Hudson. Well, Jared, thank you so much for joining the Gains for Girls podcast. Um, before we kind of get into it, I wanted you to be able to tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started in this field. Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me. And uh, just a real quick uh, intro of me. The thing I always start with is uh, I'm a born again believer in the person of Jesus Christ. And the reason that that's important to me is because, especially with what I do for a lot of work, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father, a business owner, uh, the CEO and founder of a nonprofit, law enforcement agent, federal aid, all of these things. And those are important. Uh, but if I go out and I get shot tonight on one of our operations and I die, all those things are gone. They go away. Uh, and there's only one thing that's left, and that's the eternal. Uh, and that's in the person of Jesus Christ. So uh, I've been a believer my whole life. And the reason I I preface with that, one, because it is the eternal, but number two, and uh, where it kind of segues into my background is when I was 19 years old, went on a mission trip with our church, and I just felt the Lord calling me to do something different. He opened the doors at the time for me to be able to get a contract to go to uh, BUDS, to SEAL training, and become a SEAL, and uh, that's what I did. Um, so uh, went to the Navy, went through uh, SEAL training, BUDS, SQT, and became a U.S. Navy SEAL, which kind of got me into 
the line of work that I've been in, you know, now obviously for the duration of my adult career. Uh, when I got out of the SEAL teams in 2014, um, really got out around the end of 2013 and then 2014 went through a medical process. And when I got out of the SEAL teams, I became a law enforcement officer uh, and did that for a little bit while I finished my, my MBA. And that's kind of what got me into the law enforcement side and, and doing the, the sex trafficking stuff, the human trafficking stuff. Uh, finishing my MBA is what allowed me to uh, actually finish it at Liberty University uh, when they offered the, the online uh, master's of business program. And so when I was able to finish that, that kind of taught me how to, you know, a better run a business, start a nonprofit. My wife and I, uh, through some prayer and deliberation and some of the work we were doing in the anti-human trafficking sector, uh, we decided to, to start the, the nonprofit uh, Covenant Rescue Group. And that's uh, about as quick as I can make it start to finish. Sealed a law enforcement officer uh, to uh, to business owner and then nonprofit founder and, uh, and, and now CEO of the nonprofit. So you've got some experience is what you're saying. Um, uh, well, I guess a little bit. Yeah. Give a very brief mission statement for what Covenant Rescue Group is and what you guys do. No. Yes. Yeah, so basically we provide uh, training equipment and, uh, you know, awareness that falls under training. We're not as big on awareness, but primarily training and equipment uh, for law enforcement agencies and then also at-risk personnel. So that would be schools like K through 12. We have a program where uh, some of our team goes around and uh, deals with primarily high school students and teachers, but also teachers of, of the, the grade school students for what uh, stateside uh, sex trafficking looks like, in particular sex trafficking, but just the general overview would be child exploitation. Um, that's one thing that we do. The primary thing that I focus on would be the law enforcement aspect, and that's where we work as a, a combat advisor with an agency. So when I say we provide training, um, equipment, and awareness, uh, it's to those two groups, those two entities, at-risk people, um, which are primarily children, or law enforcement agencies to target those who are going after uh, the at-risk people in the community. It seems like um, over the past five years, really the past two years, I would say, the topic of sex trafficking has been increasing globally. Uh, Sound of Freedom came out. Clearly, yeah. this is a real problem and what I would call an epidemic across the world. So from your perspective, someone who's involved in this space, how did we get here? And why is there such a demand now, I, I would say more than ever? Yeah, I, you know, it, that's a that's a great question. I get asked it a good bit. I can't say whether the demand is greater now than it was 100 years ago or 500 years ago. Uh, as a matter of fact, it you know, if you look at it historically, it, it might even possibly be uh, more taboo now than it was, you know, way back, you know, in, in maybe Roman times. Uh, with that being said, though, I think we're more in tune with it now uh, in our culture. Um, I think we see it more. Does that make sense? Like, Nothing is hidden anymore. It's not like it's like when we would go fight in Afghanistan. My wife was more aware of what I was experiencing through video, through emails, text messages, news than maybe my grandmother was when my granddaddy was, you know, fighting, or my great grandmother when my great granddaddy was fighting in World War II. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's yeah. not that warfare had changed that much. It's that 
our access and our ability to understand warfare, even if we weren't involved. I think it's the same thing with, with sex trafficking or just human trafficking in general, whether labor, sex, organ harvesting, whatever. Um, it's not so much that it's changed or that we even have more or less of it. It's that we're just more in tune with it because of, I mean, right now we're doing a podcast and we're like three hours apart. Um, right. You know, we have the ability to have access to this information more easily. That's just my assessment. Take it with a grain of salt. But I think that's what we're seeing. Uh, no, I, which I think not you're to belabor that right. point. It makes it easier to target it. So there might even been a heart to target this in, in the past. But because of technology, it's easier for us to target it and actually, you know, bring some of these perpetrators to justice and some of these victims, the, the advocacy that they need. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, the social media access that we have now, which I guess kind of begs the question, um, honestly, the access to pornography. Do you think that that plays a role in this movement? And do you think there's almost been a push to, you, you said the word taboo, to almost normalize pedophilia? Uh, there's been a, a several news stories going around this past week alone of uh, men, males who claim to be women, breastfeeding infants. And to me, I look at this and I see this for what it is, right? To me, this looks like sexual abuse of a child because any man 100%. forces a baby to latch on and suck his nipple. Um, hate to break it to you. That baby is being used as an erotic prop yes. and they do this under the guise of human rights. Uh, but let's be clear. Sexual abuse is not a human right for anyone. Uh, so do you think there's been a, a push almost to normalize pedophilia? Oh, 100 100 percent. And we see that. Um, I even think one of the European Union or so, some countries in the European Union uh, actually uh, added pedophilia to the LGBTQ, whatever, you know, alphabet community there is. Right. They actually added that as a sexual orientation, which is uh, and, and that's something that we've even seen try they've tried to make it happen in some areas around the u.s it has not succeeded very well to to my knowledge and understanding and uh for every place that you have hey we're trying to normalize it you've got a place like alabama we just worked on legislation here um where they're making it like unbelievably uh tough on the perpetrator uh when it comes to things like that people who would be messing with kids so yes i do believe there is a push to normalize it uh, in some sense, or make it a sexual orientation, but there are also uh, areas where there where there's a, a, a massive push the other way to make sure that it that it remains a criminal act, remains a crime anytime you're exploiting children. One thing you mentioned, you know, with uh, the uh, uh, like with with babies nursing on men, uh, I will argue, and this is just me going to countries where that are war torn. Right, we were in Israel right after Hamas kicked off, working there. Uh, with IDF and, and just buddies of mine within units there working in, in uh, Gaza and Lebanon, supporting the need for exploited children, uh, primarily by Hamas and the Palestinians, but either way, uh, exploited Palestinian and Arab children and Israeli children, obviously, were stolen taken. So that's our focus is exploited children. But we worked there. We were in Afghanistan getting people out in, uh, after the U.S. removed uh, uh, all the soldiers. There were uh, at-risk people in Afghanistan, we were getting those out. Some missionaries, interpreters, everybody knows the stories and they've kind of seen what's going on. One of the things I've seen is that only in our society, 
protected by real men with guns, which most people hate nowadays, right? But in our society, protected by real men with guns, uh, does does a weirdo even get the opportunity or the freedom to, as a man, let a baby suck on his nipple, right? And like you said, like th- that is so. It's it doesn't even exist anywhere else in the world because in in Afghanistan. What people don't realize, and I, I said this on a podcast not long ago with a, a buddy of mine, Eddie Gallagher, on his podcast. Uh, long story short, when we left Afghanistan, they were doing, in Kabul, they were doing half-naked yoga, women's rights. They had a George Floyd mural painted up there, of all things, right, in Afghanistan. Guess guess what left? The George Floyd mural was torn down, and uh, you know their Taliban mural went up. And uh, there's no more half-naked yoga. All the women are in burqas. They can't go to school. Like, all of those things, all of those rights that we fought for, LGBTQ rights, all of those things that were fought for, and actually, in Kabul at the time, they go away at the snap of a finger. You know why? Because real men with guns left. And so, the uh, that were keeping the Taliban in check. So, I say that to say it only exists, you know, stuff like this only exists in societies that allow and protect its existence. Uh, I would argue wholeheartedly that if our society changed to what we see in Afghanistan, what's going on there now, or if our society changed to the lawlessness that you've seen in Palestine with Hamas running roughshod over the Palestinian people and negatively impacting the Israelis, I would argue that you would see uh, in our society, you would see the same things happening. You would see those things going away because they are not normal. Sorry to go on my tirade there, but it, it only exists in our culture. Well, and that's very true. Uh, you know, culture is only as strong as the positive things you denounce and the negative things that you tolerate, uh, which wow. is unfortunate that, that this has become something that we're pushing for, it seems. Um, but you perform these these stings and these ops, of course, lure, luring in these these pedophiles or, or even sometimes uh, not limited to people who are only attracted to minors. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What happens then? You know, you, these boys and these girls, what happens after you guys rescue them? Yeah, so there would be two different styles of operation, but but both lead to what we call a rescue. One's a sting operation where we work with law enforcement, and we never do this. We're, we're law enforcement agents, and we can build our own cases, but our goal is not to do this on our own. Our goal is to work with a local law enforcement agency, locals, not even federal, but locals who have the ability to do a little bit more at the local or the state level. And then if the feds want to adopt a case that would be good, they can adopt it down a solid case down the road, uh, whether it's a, you know, it's a case of child porn or, or whatever. And I won't go into the specifics of kind of how that works, but just realize that's how the feds can best make their cases to adopt a solid state case. It's very difficult for the feds as good as they are at working child exploitation and human trafficking. It's very difficult for them to make, uh, solid cases around the country regularly because they're li- they're just limited on on bandwidth. They don't have the bandwidth to do it. So 
local agencies working in their local areas and going after after uh, local charges for those who are traffickers uh, is is vitally important. Or even if it's not trafficking, uh, just child exploitation. And you you mentioned something. It's not always a pedophile, right? So that's what you know. I like saying child exploitation because it's not always somebody who has some kind of sick thing where you know they're going to uh, utilize a kid for sexual you know services, right? Um, it's uh, we've seen gangs show up to to steal these kids, right? You've seen uh, certain individuals show up that that really don't have any desire to have sex with a little boy or a little girl, but they're showing up to steal these kids and then take them and sell them and use them, right? We also see with the open border issue, we see a lot of uh, illegal immigration issues tied into this. I want to say out of 87 felony arrests that we made last year uh, over nine operations. So out of uh, over all of those, we averaged about one uh, ICE deportation uh, per op, right? So out of those 87, about 10% of them, nine of them, uh, fell under some sort of ICE deportation nexus. So there is the illegal immigration aspect of it that it's tied to, too. So I say all that to say uh, when we target the individuals going after children, um, that's a sting. And the goal is, is to get those individuals off the streets. For everyone you arrest, the statistic is that's 25 lives that would have been impacted. They believe it's a higher statistic now. They, are, they believe it's a higher number now. But uh, the statistic that we have, we still run off as 25 per man. So we arrest nine. Well, that's, you know, 225 individuals that um, that are no longer going to target kids in that community. Um, out of all of those, you might have one or two where it's a little bit deeper. They can give you access to where kids are being sold or maybe maybe they're doing that with their own kid. And it's not some cabal that's all tied together that, that everybody just talked about forever, like, oh, they're there's kids in the tunnels in Washington D.C. and all that stuff, right? Um, I, I don't know if you've heard. I, I just I've heard all yeah. kinds of stuff that people talk about. That's not what we're talking about. I have never seen that to exist. What I have seen exist is a person of trust, a dad, a mom, an aunt, an uncle, an older brother or sister. Um, normally, it's poverty based when you rescue when we see a child being rescued, um, and so. Targeting the individuals that are the consumers is the way that we get into the system to find those children who are really being exploited. And then we're able to conduct a rescue and get those children out. Uh, the last aspect of it is partnering with uh, other NGOs that provide aftercare and advocacy. These are primarily uh, women's groups. Um, and what they like to do is or what we'll do is set up an operation where we might get in front of somebody in the sex work industry and they might be of age. They can tie us to places where kids are being sold, or we offer them the gospel, medical care, everything that they need, spiritual, you know, work in the future. You offer them a way out. Hey, if you're scared, if you're being sold by somebody, we're offering you a way out. You can go here and be taken care of. And so that is also a, a style of rescue that we we do as well. So those are the really the two different types of operations, stings and rescues that lead to the rescues of kids. Uh you ask what happens with the children. Sorry for the long answer, but uh, I come by it honestly. My dad's a, a Southern Baptist pastor, so I, I do come by these long-winded answers honestly. But um, what happens to the kids is most of the time there's state laws in place that require DHR to be involved, unless, of course, there's a family member that can be accessed, that can come and take the kids. So we've seen uh, 
Obviously, DHR get involved and have to get the kids. I'm thinking of one rescue in particular uh, out of the state of Michigan where DHR was involved there because there was no there was no family. Right. There's both mom and dad were, uh, you know, drugs and jail was kind of their, you know, their background. So she had no way forward. She was 14, I think, when she was taken and 15 when we found her. Um, But then there's other kids where maybe grandparents, maybe there's an aunt or an uncle. Uh, that that can receive that child and take custody in, in that way. And then sometimes on rescues, it might be a mother who's in the sex work industry who has a child who's at risk. And there's a lot of advocacy centers that uh, now have the ability to take mother and child if they will, will go to the advocacy center. So those are the those are kind of what happens with those individuals after they're rescued um, on that end. I would imagine there's a big need for aftercare program and resources for all people, but especially the young boys and girls. You mentioned Afghanistan. Uh, We've you mentioned the border. This happening on a global perspective. But how bad is this problem here in the United States? Oh, it's I mean, here in the U.S., it's uh, we'll put it this way. You know, we, we still do work internationally some. But our primary focus is here in the U.S. because uh, the problem is, I don't want to say astronomical. We could probably curb it a little bit. And it's not that we don't have the tools to do it. It's that we don't historically have the knowledge or the ability to do it appropriately. So the, the example I like to use or what we do when we go in and work with law enforcement agencies, it's not that the law enforcement agency, the local law enforcement agency, doesn't have the knowledge or the ability to do it. They do. They just generally get the order of operations wrong, which which doesn't lead to a successful prosecution or rescue at the end of the op. The order of operations, you know, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. You're uh, you, you've been in school more recently than I have. You know, what is it? Exactly. Parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. Right. Fifth grade arithmetic. Um, it's I can get any portion of that problem right. But if I get the order of operations wrong my answer at the end will be wrong. And generally what we see is we see law enforcement agencies, local agencies, and even the feds sometimes, they'll get a portion of the problem right, but the order's wrong. So the overall answer at the end, which which is a rescue or a successful prosecution, that winds up being wrong, all because we didn't get the order right. So what we primarily do is go in and say, guys, this is the order of operations. It's not rocket science. It's one of the easiest things you'll do. This is the order of operations. As long as we get all these right, our answer at the end will be right, which is a successful prosecution and a rescue when there needs to be a rescue. Um, And so I would say that the problem is big here, but it's not because we don't have the ability to do it. It's because a lot of times the entities that can do it lack the knowledge for the proper order of operations. Which is why what you guys guys do is so important. It seems this issue of child sex trafficking has become a partisan one, both from the stance of the media and our government. I have an incredibly hard time grasping, grasping that. Um, Do you have any insight as to to why this has seemingly become political and partisan at that? I I think at some levels it is political and partisan. um, Just because that's the nature of our world. I mean, that's what we see on TV. I mean, it's like what, it's like what you dealt with, you know, not to, you know, rub salt in a wound. I know you experienced a lot with having to swim against some flipping dude who couldn't swim against other dudes, but he could swim against a, a bunch of females, right? Uh, and you've dealt with that for a while. And I remember when I saw that, I don't know, a couple of years ago, that should not, my wife and I sat and talked about it. Like, 
that should not be a partisan issue. We we have daughters. I've got three daughters. Um, I w- I want to crush that dude, right? And, and I mean, heck, I was a Navy SEAL, so I mean, I swam a lot. I do understand the differences, and so as you look at it, um, it, it shouldn't be a partisan issue. But for some reason, they made it a partisan issue. Um, and and somebody else's rights. This this guy who has got a. By the way, the military still considers. Uh, transgenderism, they're not combat uh, effective. Anybody who's a transgender military can't deploy to combat, and it's still considered a mental issue, to my knowledge. Um, so you're dealing with that, and it's your rights being trumped by somebody who has something else even weirder going on, right? Um, and and so then they want to make it a partisan issue, and it's really just a, in my opinion, it's a human rights issue on the other end. And so it's the same thing with human trafficking. It's really a human rights issue, not a partisan issue, but I don't know why they make it that. Maybe you could answer that better since you've experienced it more as to why you think they make it partisan. I will say this though, and I'll let me grab my phone so I can read it right. Again, we're from the state of Alabama. So I'm gonna read an article real quick. And this went before our state legislation, which was uh, worked on this bill, the Sound of Freedom bill with Representative Donna Givens. She's the one who put it together. And um, let me see if I can find right here what it says. So it passed the House. I think I'm confirming with this article right here. I can text it to you. See, yeah, the bill bill passed with a vote of 102 to zero. So that's Democrats and Republicans. It passed our House. So I I will say, and and all it it is is it's adding sentencing. It changes the language in our human trafficking charge. Uh, It adds sentencing to anybody caught. Trafficking a child uh, will, will receive a minimum of life in prison. Like So there's some things in that bill that are vitally important. Democrats and Republicans were on board with it. When I went to the committee hearing and sat in the committee hearing, there were Democrats and Republicans, and they were all like, no, we're all, we're all about this. So I will say that sometimes I've seen when children are involved, you've made the point it shouldn't be a partisan issue. Um, and I've seen a lot of times they don't make it a partisan issue. Um, so I don't know. Sorry again for the long-winded answer, but I don't know why they make it that way sometimes. Well, I think y'all have some good stuff going down in Alabama. Um, something incredibly interesting about Alabama and, and the only state we've seen this thus far is in, in state legislature, uh, when they introduced their women's sports bill, there were 17 Democrats who voted in favor. That hasn't happened mm-hmm. anywhere else. 17 Democrats who voted in favor of protecting women's sports. So maybe y'all just... Y'all got it right in Alabama. Um, well, I will say, are Democrats, but because of a you know, this is the South, and a lot of even the old Democrats are very strong uh, Christian beliefs, which lean more toward conservative, uh, you know, conservatism or whatever. It's not what you're seeing in D.C. a lot of times, which is probably uh, what we see more at a national level. So, of course, um, and to your point, you know, as you said, you know, Christian conservatives, you shared a bit about your faith, uh, which I think is a breath of fresh air. Um, People, it seems as if we are going further and further away from people feeling confident enough, secure enough, or or even really Mm -hmm. having that faith background. Um, So in your eyes, wrapping up here, you know, is there a faith component to all of this? Oh, well, yeah. You know, I mean, of course, I believe there is, you know, and it's, uh, and I believe that faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people who will claim faith out there, but it's faith in what? Uh, the reason I believe that the faith component exists is one, because I've experienced it personally. Uh, two, it's what 
what drives me daily is my faith in him, right? Uh, was it 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, my uh, grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your, in your weakness. So his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Uh, and I think that we see that all around us. I know we see that as an organization, even though we're not a Christian-based organization. Uh, we see that. So, yeah, the faith component is huge. And what I would encourage your listeners, they might not believe. They might say, this guy's you know crazy, believes in God or believes in Jesus or that Jesus is God or the Son of God. All I would encourage you to do is ask yourself or ask God, say, God, reveal yourself to me. And I promise you he will to be in the person of Jesus Christ. And you'll be left with one decision to accept him for who he is, the son of God who died for the sins of the world, Lord and Savior, or to deny him like Pilate did and wash your hands and say, I'm innocent of this man's blood. Uh, so that is important to understand. I had one team guy, and I'll leave you with this, uh, a, a SEAL. Another SEAL asked me at an event I was at recently. Uh, he just retired out of uh, SEAL Team 6. He said, he said, man, I believe there's a God, but why is it, why is it Jesus? So this is important for us to stand, understand on the faith side. Why is it Jesus? Jesus is the only one who claimed exclusivity. If you look at every cult, every religion, they all will say we're Jesus-like, right? Muhammad, the next largest religion uh, uh, that, that we could talk about, which is Islam. They say that Jesus is a great prophet. That's what they say. Jesus is the only one who doesn't claim anybody else. He says in John chapter 1, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but, but through me, right? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. It was with God. It became flesh dwelt among men. Uh, so it's important for us as Christians. If you're a listener and you're like, this guy is insane, ask God to reveal himself to you. We'll be the person Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, you're talking about your faith, right? Um, it's important that you understand what Jesus actually said. Understand the Word of God, the Scripture of God, because it's his Word that will pierce your heart and the hearts of others around you. So that's why I believe the faith component is huge, because we can't do it. I know I'm not going to yeah. convince anybody, but the Word of God will convince them um, uh, as who they are. There's a, sorry, not, not to continue this on, but there's a seal who tran transitioned, and he's now transitioned back. And I heard I him give this. his testimony. He actually got saved in the process. Um, and it was the Holy Spirit that he would say that drug him out of this, this uh, you know, the, the transgender uh, community or the transition process that he was in. It was a very interesting interview that I listened to him talk about. So I believe faith is the only, faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to effectively combat what we're seeing now, especially with child exploitation. Amen. So what can people do? Obviously, I mean, the expenses and the cost to perform these stings or, or these ops, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's great. So how can yeah. we support you? Um, what can we do? Yes, yeah, so you can go to covenantrescue.org and you can look at the website. There's gonna be a donate page there. Just a quick rundown of what it costs uh, we're doing operations this weekend. We did them last weekend. It cost about $50,000 per operation with local law enforcement agency. That generally deals with an agency, a prosecutor's office, and maybe another agency might be involved. That will lead to between nine and 12 arrests as our average. Last year, nine ops, 87 arrests. So do the math there. Uh, and of those 87 arrests, about 10% of those will lead to a rescue of some kind of an at-risk child uh, because again, we primarily focus on child exploitation. So that's a sting op. A rescue op costs about $15,000 to pull off. And that gets our advocates safely in front of women in the sex work industry uh, who have been at risk for this, most of them since they were younger women. So that's about $15,000 to pull those off. Um, and we generally hit about four of those a year and get about 10 women per operation. So uh, that would be 40 rescues, for lack of a better word, or that advocates get to make that point of contact. 
Uh, the final thing would be our training, which you were actually down here uh, last week and got to see all the law enforcement agencies involved in the training up the road. Uh, and that is about $1,200 per law enforcement agent. And I believe we had 55 in training last week. So uh, all of these things cost money and it's donor dollars that, that, that really make it happen. So any way you can support or help with any of those, we have an operation plan per month. Uh, and that's, uh, and that's about what they call. So get on and support us in that way. Definitely pray for us, uh, and, uh, and follow us on all the, I don't know, social medias and all that stuff. Covenantrescue.org. Um, you heard them. It costs money. Um, and if you don't have money, of course, prayers always, but, but make sure you're sharing these kinds of things. Make sure you're sharing what they're doing, uh, because this truly is the Lord's work. Uh, and so, Jared, we are so grateful for you, um, for everything that you do, for coming on to, to share and provide a little insight for all of us who might not uh, have the same background or understanding of these issues that are going on. But we are so grateful for you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thanks for all you do. Jared mentioned how I got to go spend some time down in Alabama with with him and Covenant Rescue Group a few weeks ago. Um, this podcast was very mild. Uh, we got to watch some videos, uh, get to see the behind the scenes and how the work they do, the impact that's being had because of the work they do. Um, and man, I've just felt so convicted since. It is uh, truly sickening. Uh, it's heartbreaking. The things that young girls and boys, and again, not limited to just young girls and boys, what they're going through, uh, how it tears apart their families, of course, how it impacts these these victims for the rest of their lives. Um, and again, Sound of Freedom, right? Hollywood is not always reality. Um, that's why it's important we support them. Again, go to covenantrescuegroup.org. Uh, make sure you donate if you can. If you cannot, they have awesome merch like I'm wearing. Um, I am proud to wear their name across my chest, on my shirts, on my hats, different things. Uh, so again, thank you guys for joining uh, make sure you like and subscribe anywhere where you get your podcasts. You can check us out at outkick.com and we will see you again next week.